sort of drop this baggage of what it's like to be mm. black in the U.S. Because I'm black, you're obviously not, you know, trying to like help me check out at the register. Like you're letting a lot of these white Europeans go first. You can easily blend in in Brazil. I think that part of that blending in is similar to the United States where maybe the whiter Brazilians- It's not a combination. They had a, they had a picture on the oh. wall. <laughs> they had a picture on the wall of like some women like picking cotton. Picking cotton. Picking cotton, right? releasing like release yourself of the bondage of like the chip on your shoulder of being black in the u.s because hey y'all welcome back to another episode of elevated perspectives podcast i'm courtney i'm justin and today we're going to be talking about blackness abroad which is a big topic, right? There's a whole lot to discuss there. Um, but where is this coming from? So we've been traveling for about two years now. And I think one of the things we've really started to sort of notice and begin to navigate is that being Black looks, feels, and sometimes just is different in different parts of the world. Um, there are a lot of like contributory factors that go into like how you're treated as a black person, even though we all know that anti-blackness is global. Um, so we wanted to spend some time today to just kind of go over this because one of the main questions that we're asked, especially about certain locations, is what is it like to be black there? Or do we feel safe as black people there, right? Things like this. So we just wanted to spend some time talking through that today. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a huge topic, like you said, I mean, People are going to have their own experience when they travel. And this is, to preface, this is our experience, right? So this is what we've noticed when we've been traveling. It could be totally different for you based on age, sex, religion, uh, anything else. Yeah, that's a good point. So in making sure that we're tackling this like intersectionally, one thing that we've really had to sort of like realize and grapple with as we think through and talk about this as we travel is that there are so many other factors that go into how you feel somewhere and how you're treated somewhere other than your race. And in the US, right, where we're from, race is such a big, huge thing. Yeah. And it's not to say that it isn't in other parts of the world, but it feels like there are other factors that go into that a little bit more or inform it differently. All right, so we've tried our best to break this down into three sections. So the first thing that we'll be discussing is sort of like race and safety, right? I feel like that's the big one that everyone always has questions about. From there, we'll jump into like blending out versus blend, Jesus. We'll jump into blending in versus standing out um, and what that feels like in some places where we felt that. And then afterwards, we'll just go over sort of like our personal um, experience and reflections in different places. So yeah, I mean, as far as safety goes, as we know, being black in the US can be lethal, right? And there's a history that has shown that black people have to fear for their safety based on their location in the US and making sure that their surroundings and, you know, their mannerisms, their, their actions, their behavior um, keeps them safe, right? And we all know those talks like how to interact with the police you know, what kind of town or city are you in, you know, and um, how you present yourself. And so that changes based on where you go when you start traveling. So when we start talking about racism, it's not even, it's not exactly coming from a place of, I need to protect my safety and is this lethal? Yeah. So I think like, 
I think the big thing there is like, you know, you're in the US and it's like just being black um, puts a target on your back because there are literally like weapons here, right? Uh, people have guns. Um, also, the police here are like militarized. Trigger happy. Yeah, they're militarized yeah. and they're trigger happy and there's a green line on black folks. So when we talk about like the sentiment of racism and how it functions, um, encountering racists in the U.S. can literally get you killed. Encountering racists in other parts of the world, by and large, because things happen, right? Mm -hmm. Anti-blackness is global. But by and large, it's not going to get you killed. Um, or even harmed in a lot of instances. There are a lot of things that will get you harmed, um, you know, or can get you harmed depending on, you know, where you are and all of this stuff. But like when we literally just talk about like the baseline safety of being a black person moving freely through the world, you don't have to worry about dying the same way that you do in the US versus being other places. Yeah. And to give some examples, I mean, we traveled through Colombia, we traveled through Brazil, um, we travel through Europe, you know, certain parts of Europe. That notion too, right, of being around with the kids. I think one thing that's been really interesting, Black and abroad, is having to sort of drop this baggage of what it's like to be mm. Black in the U.S. Because I feel like here, especially we were in the South, there's a lot of, even if it's not like explicit lethal racism, mm -hmm. there's still potentially harm that comes with it, right? When people reach to touch you or they say something about your hair, like those like microaggressions and what that carries. And I think that we go abroad and it's really easy to carry that with us. Mm -hmm. um, I have attempted since to like release myself of the bondage of like bringing that with me. Yeah. Because when we go to Mexico, we brought the kids to Mexico, we first left. Whitley was super little, right? She was like 10 weeks. And the people were fascinated with her. All the tias, all the abuelas, they were like constantly like bum rushing the stroller. They wanted to see her. They wanted to touch her hair. They, because she's cute, you know what I mean? And they're not used to her hair texture. And mm -hmm. I think that dropping that notion of like a white woman in the South wanting to touch my child's hair very different than some random Mexican grandmother wanting to touch my child's hair. Yeah. And, and like, at least they'll say no. It's yeah. like, no, 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 But it's different, you know what yeah. I mean? And even like, did I tell you about my experience in the pharmacy in Portugal? Did you? So I want... Oh, with the allergy medicine. I, no, I walked into the pharmacy in Lisbon and I found my product that I wanted to buy and I walked up to the counter to check out and the woman behind the counter, white Portuguese woman, is helping everybody but me. And I'm literally standing right in front of her. Yeah. And of course, in my mind, I'm like, because I'm black, you're obviously not, you know, trying to like help me check out at the register. Like you're letting a lot of these white Europeans go first. And until I realized there's a queue. Like I was supposed <laughs> to get a number. I was supposed to grab a ticket yeah. in the front of the store, which I like, I didn't know, you know. So there's different customs that you have to really understand. Mm. You may not be getting discriminated against <laughs> at a restaurant You're just not paying attention. or in a store <laughs> or when tell, someone tells you to hold on or get in the back of the line like that just may be their cultural, you know, uh, cultural difference that you're not used to. I have never thought about going to a pharmacy and getting a ticket, you know, and my ticket, you know, being displayed on a TV for my number to be called to check out. That's crazy to me. Yeah. I'm ready to cuss this woman out <laughs> over something that I actually misunderstood. So. 
I think, you know, giving yourself that time to make those adjustments and to really take it in. Am I being discriminated against or is this a cultural difference I'm not used to? Yeah. No, that's a great point. Because again, it's easy. And then I think that too is how you can really set yourself up to have bad experiences. Yeah. Because it's... <sighs> And I'm not saying that we're at fault here, but there's a chip on your shoulder, right? You walk into situations um, sort of like tensed up or like braced. Playing because defense. Yeah, yeah, playing defense, exactly. Because you assume that, you know, all this racism and anti-blackness is going to be thrust upon you. And sometimes like it's not it. There's just, there just is a cue. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I think that's one of the things though that's really interesting and it's, it's a challenge to sort of like unlearn that behavior and to unpack that. But it goes a long way toward making sure that you are like having good experiences. Yeah. And it's such an important topic because what I see a lot of content creators do, black content creators, is say, this was my experience in Italy. This is my experience mm -hmm. in Spain. And, you know, they're getting millions of views and it's making people not want to ever go to Italy or Spain, right? Yeah. You see those two countries pop up a lot. And I don't know, like, I'm not the one to tell you, go and figure it out for yourself. And, you know, you encounter some nasty racist experience. But yeah. we didn't have a bad experience in, in, in Spain. So I'm just like, there's you have to really be able to navigate that, you know, on, on your own a little bit. Yeah, I think you always have to. Where, where common sense permits. Yeah. Go and see for yourself. Because yeah, even you said Italy, and I'm immediately like, ooh, because I've heard some things I mean, about we haven't Italy. Been to Italy. I've yet. heard some things. But yeah, I'm but like, I haven't been. It's like a trend, you know what I mean? And so. I think part of it too uh, is like, you start thinking about like racism, because there's like interpersonal racism, right? Like someone being racist to you, and then there's like that institutionalized racism. And I think because we haven't taken part in certain institutions. We just don't know what that's like. Like, I've heard people in, um, I want to say it was Portugal, maybe it was Spain, talking about, like, getting an apartment. Mm. And, like, how if you're Black, that can be different because you show up to meet the landlord and they're like, mm, mm, And so there, in a situation, it's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're discriminating. Um, or maybe not. But then again, I think maybe that's a thing, too, where it's like, but are you, like, African or are you African-American? And like, does it matter to them? Yeah. Um, or do you like have the money up front or not? What matters here? So right. I just think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the next thing is thinking about places where we felt like we sort of like were able to blend in being black and then other places where it felt more like we were standing out and then what the difference is there and what that feels like. Yeah. Yeah, we spent a lot of time in Guadalajara last year. As yeah. much as I love Mexico and I love Guadalajara, that city in particular is not very diverse. I felt like I stood out. Yeah. And it wasn't uncomfortable until I just wanted to be around more melanated people. Um, and fortunately, they were there. But you had yeah. to like make an effort. Yeah, like we, we first got there, I posted in the group, I was like, where are y'all? Like, we've been here for two weeks. I haven't seen a single Black person that I'm not, like, related to. And they're just like, oh, we just got to, you know, have a meetup or something. But, like, you have to be so intentional about it. Yeah, I mean, when you see a Black person in the street in Guadalajara, you stop and ask, where are you from? How long are you staying? Like, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm going to flag you down <laughs> to find out because we don't interact with each other often there. Um, I would say other parts of Mexico were a little more diverse, like, 
of course, Playa del Carmen, very touristy, Mexico City, just very diverse in general as, as a major city. Um, and then where else would you say you stood out? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's interesting because I'm thinking about Colombia and even what you said about Mexico. And one thing that I don't hear a lot of discussion around when people talk about like race around the world is the varying like shades of people. So like, it's very easy to think like you're in Mexico and the people are Mexican. And so everyone is like the same, like color, of color, very not true, <laughs> very much not true. Um, and so it's the same way all through Latin America, right? And even in other parts of the world. So I think one thing that's interesting is like when we were in Colombia, like the difference in the color of the people in Medellin versus the color of the people in Bogota was different. Mm -hmm. And I think in Medellin, we, we blended in a lot more. Like one, there are a lot of just black people there, right? Not just black Colombians, but also black people that have moved or immigrated or expatriated or whatever, right? digital nomads there. Um, but the people there were also just like browner. And I think because of that, it's just like, oh, I'm sure they've got like a cousin that's my color or like their mother might be my color. Mm -hmm. And so there's this thing where it just feels more um, like close to home, even if it's not just exclusively black people. And then in Bogota, the shade skewed a little lighter. And so there it was just kind of like, ooh, do we see any other black people in Bogota? Remember there, we stayed in that um, like financial business district and yeah. we saw people working. Maybe the Americans working. There was like two. Yeah, because Bogota is the capital. So you have... Yeah. Oh, yeah, there was that Ghanaian family at the park. The Ghanaian family at the park. Yeah. And I think another guy was a refugee. Yeah. Um, selling yeah. stuff, so... But even then, again, it's like few and far very between. Few. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. We spend a lot of time in Latin America, and we haven't made it to like... Um, parts of Mexico, what is it, the uh, Costa Chica, that's like super yeah. black, or yeah. like other places like that, um, even like Cartagena is very black. Yeah, but... even Buddy was like, why don't you go see the Caribbean side, Cartagena, Barranquilla, yeah, at the we park. Have to. Um, let's book a flight. Let's do it. Let's book a <laughs> but it's easy to, and I guess I say that to say, right, like you can, there cannot necessarily be like other black people there. Yeah. But depending on, like, what the vibe and the culture and, like, the shades of brown look like, it can still feel very much like you're at home or very familiar to you. So then you have places like Rio de Janeiro, which is super interesting. Um, we were in Brazil, and the whole notion of blackness in Brazil is just very different, right? Because they, I think they have, like, five or six different checkboxes on their census which includes like yellow or indigenous or like white or black like they have like several different like just words and categories um basically on the scale of like very light white european all the way to like very very dark um so i don't even know technically i don't even know how black we are in brazil like i assume that we're black, black. but like i don't know like <laughs> where on the spectrum because it's just Mocha. a different system right which is interesting yeah. um but being black in brazil right we were assumed to be brazilian the whole time we were there people were just speaking portuguese to us we didn't appear to be tourists to them or to stand out to them um which i think is really interesting brazil is probably one of the most like diverse in terms of like just shades of brown places that 
I've ever been. Mm -hmm. And that's like any phenotypical like blackness that's like hair, that's like facial features, that's skin color. Like people are this like brown gold color that I feel like I've like never even actually seen before like in real life. So Brazil is really interesting. Yeah, you can easily blend in in Brazil. I think that part of that blending in is similar to the United States where maybe the whiter Brazilians discriminate against blacker Brazilians. There's yeah. obviously a bit of a caste system there. There's obviously um, darker shaded people maybe doing more manual labor, doing more um, behind the scenes work, right? We saw that. And the disparity in you know poverty versus wealth it skewed more white for the wealthy, more brown and black for people in poverty. So I think that um, a big part of like the comfortability that I felt in Rio was knowing like, hey, I blend in here, um, but definitely having to feel like I had to watch what neighborhoods I was in if I was without the family mm -hmm. and um, making sure that, like I avoided the police all the time because I heard about the police in Brazil. Mm. Um, they have the same issues that we have in the U.S. Police yeah. brutality is really big, especially in Rio. And so, um, it, I don't know, it's, it's a double-edged sword, but I think if you learn how to navigate it, it's, um, it was somewhere where I felt very comfortable. Right. And it's interesting because we talked about this in our accommodation. They had a, they had a picture on the oh. wall. <laughs> they had a picture on the wall of like some women like picking cotton. Picking cotton. Picking cotton, right? And so again, we didn't notice it till like a it was weekend. like towards the yeah. And I was like, babe, come look at this. And so again, like as a Black American, particularly from the South, that's kind of like mm -mm, what's going on here. Um, but Brazil is a lot like the U.S. in how all of that functioned with the slavery and. Um, you know, plantations and things. I think, you know, the number of actual, like, enslaved African people brought to, like, the Americas as a whole, like, more were brought to the Brazil, to Brazil than the U.S. So, mm. like, they have that very same, like, institutionalized, deeply embedded and ingrained sort of racism that you can be used to in the U.S. And I think getting back to, like, the pro and con of, like, standing out versus like blending in there's this thing where it's like you feel comfortable because you're assumed to be brazilian and you see people that look like you what that does is take away that more like automatic like u.s privilege that you'll feel in other places so it's kind of like that trade-off right um to feel like you're blending in and like you're at home there also opens you up to being like you know assumed like the police aren't going to look at you and be like maybe i should chill because they're american the police are going to look at you and be like green light if they're like that type of police officer so i think that's something that's just like ugh, you know but again with that being said i felt comfortable the whole time we were in brazil from mm -hmm. like safety police general encounters like i didn't feel a lick of anything negative the whole time that we were in Rio, but yeah. that's something to, to bear in mind. Um, so when it comes to Europe, we'll do back to Europe. Um, there are a few things that definitely stood out for us, uh, being in Madrid and being in Lisbon, Portugal, Madrid being a capital city, a major city. We definitely noticed that there were a lot of, you'll, you'll see a lot of black people, maybe Americans, maybe people from the UK. Um, and maybe even people from Africa who are like working professionals, right? Like they work 
and some type of job that brought them to Madrid, and so they're in the capital city. And a lot of um, a lot of the there was a lot of things that catered to black people, right? Like we saw black-owned restaurants in Madrid. We saw a lot of black uh, hair care product stores. Yeah. A lot of um, you know things to make it feel like okay, I don't just stand out. I'm not the only black person in the city. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Finding, like, the kind of conditioner I needed in Guadalajara is hard-pressed. But just wandering around Madrid, we found, like, two, like, black hair care stores. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. I do think, though, <clears throat> Madrid, like, as far as, like, standing out and, like, blending in, I think Madrid is interesting because you can blend in in that you're not um, completely, like, alone um so like yeah there are like other tourists and stuff and then there are also people that come from like the dominican republic or like cuba or like places like this that now live in madrid um but it i still get the impression that like the black diaspora in madrid is very much like immigrants oh yeah yeah but it feels like in portugal like in lisbon more specifically it feels like um a lot of the black people there are more like how do you say, like, homegrown? Um, like, they're actually, like, from there. Like, yeah. fully integrated and embedded into the culture. So, bless you. Thank you. So, I think that's interesting because the difference is, like, you don't stand out in Madrid. You don't stand out in um, Lisbon. But in Madrid, it feels very much like you're still sort of, like, an outsider like are the, any of the black people actually from there whereas Lisbon it's like a lot of black people and people of color there are more like assumed to be like Portuguese Portuguese yeah and you even did the um black slave history tour mm-hmm. in Lisbon Portugal right where he talked about the fact that slaves were brought to Lisbon brought to Portugal yeah to work and so <clears throat> these are people who have been in Portugal for generations generations and you know, they come in different skin tones, um, different shades, but these are black Portuguese people versus in Spain, you don't see any black Spanish people. Yeah, like, which is interesting. And like, I'm sure they're out there. If you're like one of the five black Spanish people that exist, like don't come for comment I'm sure you're out there. Yeah. But after being to like Malaga, after being to Sevilla, after being to Madrid and kind of like multiple times going through the country, it's just like, I have yet to meet one black person in Spain that's like from Spain. Yeah. So like if that's you, please let us know. Um, but the black people in, in Portugal, like we met several of them that like they just are Portuguese and yeah. they're also black. Having this conversation really makes me just want to go to Africa. Let's go. Like I'm like flight. listening to Let's ourselves. Go to I'm like, Let's start why are we not just in Africa? Why aren't we just in Africa? It's a big beautiful continent. I'm Honestly, ready when you're ready. Let's go. He's the problem. He's the problem. <laughs> All right. So for the last bit of this, right, reflecting on our blackness from a more like global vantage point, um, I know that like we have talked about what it feels like to be black in different places. I think one thing that's important to kind of think about and talk about and acknowledge is also that like coming from a like an oppressed populace in the U.S. and going out into the world as a U.S. citizen you're now privileged. So 
sort of figuring out like what to do with that privilege and how to navigate it once you get to other places, particularly places like Latin America, we think about like the global south or whatever. I think that's something that we've spent a lot of time thinking about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how do we make sure that we're not gentrifying? How do we make, if that's even possible, how do we make sure that we're not out here just participating in, um, you know, neo-colonialism, setting up shop in different countries? Yeah. I haven't really come to an answer to that. I mean, I don't know if, like you said, if there is one, but I do think that learning about the history and about the culture of where you're visiting and learning how you can give back and what the locals like, what they what they dislike, mm -hmm. what the marginalized locals, you know, are struggling with and what they need our help with mm -hmm. is also really important. Do um, they need our help? It's not not just like a white savior complex. No, because that man in that man in Madrid that we met at the train station, mm -hmm. I think he was Ghanaian. Mm -hmm. He said, hey, we're having a march. Oh, yeah. You know, and yeah. we just need as many people to come out as we can because we were marching to get more rights, you know, yeah. essentially. So it wouldn't hurt to have some Amer black Americans with us. He did. You know what I mean? Like, they're marginalized people who are trying to immigrate or who have immigrated to Spain. Yeah. Um, same with, like, the indigenous people who live in South America mm. and have been there forever. It's like they may not have a voice. And, you know, if there's any way that we can, can help, then we need to figure that out. That's true. I know we even talked a lot about um, Argentina and, like, what happened to, like, yeah. all the, like, Argentinians of color and trying to figure that out. And I do think you have a point there. I think that especially, like, <clears throat> these days where, like, everyone has some semblance of a platform, mm -hmm. I do think it's really important to make sure that you're spending time talking about things that are important and not just showing pictures of like the pretty beach that you're at or like the pretty buildings that you went and saw yeah definitely but i think too like being responsible with how and where we use our money is like a big thing like a lot of city a lot of local communities have been hit hard because of digital nomadism mm -hmm. and i want so badly to like not be one of those people yeah i don't even know if it's possible yeah. Um, to like come somewhere and set up shop temporarily with USD and not be di actively displacing someone. Yeah, I think it, it takes time and it's not something that's going to happen overnight when you go visit a new country. But when you think about learning about the politics of this city or country that you're visiting, that's like a step one. Like we're here in America, right? In Atlanta, Georgia. If something is going on, it's like, what would you like to see from like the Latino population? to like help be a um, ally to, to us as black people. Mm -hmm. If something is going on, it's like you will see Latinos and black people marching together, you know, yeah. even if they are immigrants. Yeah, and so being an immigrant means being able to, it starts from the beginning, but learning like about the politics of the country that you're visiting, which I think takes time. Mm -hmm. You can't just learn that a month from being somewhere, but um but yeah, I mean, we come from a place of privilege, and I just think being able to obviously use it positively. Even like wrapping your head around the fact that like I have privilege, yeah. I think is like a first step is weird, but it's vital because it's really easy to like, I didn't realize how American I was until I left America for an extended period of time. Yeah. Like, because I've always been very like, rah, rah, I'm not 
I'm not American American. I'm not, you know, apple pie and this and that and third isn't me. Like I didn't really identify as being an American, which maybe sounds wild because I've lived here my whole life, right? But like I didn't. I feel like there are a lot of black people in the US who feel that way. Like I happen to be born in America, but it's not like I'm like American American. Yeah. Um but the moment that AC goes out. The moment the AC goes out, <laughs> the moment the waiter takes too long, the moment like just your your comfortability and like standards are kind of tested, like it's really easy for a lot of us to like fold a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um and the last thing that you want to do in a situation like that is like turn into a Karen, right? or um just be that ugly american out here who now has not only complaints but privilege behind it um and i like to think that as black people like culturally as ethnically african-american people i like to think that it's not in our nature to behave that way um but you know different environments bring out different things in you so yeah. that acknowledgement i think has to be like step number one yeah, you get the oddballs here and there who do, you know, goofy stuff to make us all look bad. But I think, like, yeah, at the end of the day, just don't be a Karen. Do your research. Do your homework. Talk to the locals <clears throat> and figure out how you can, um, you know, adjust to life abroad. Because, again, you are going into another society. No one's forcing you to be there. You're choosing to be there. Yeah, and that's part two, I think, of, like, releasing like release yourself of the bondage of like the chip on your shoulder of being black in the u.s because in your example of like there being like a queue in the pharmacy like it's really easy to do a thing where it's like these racist mother you know what i mean and then you just kind of like go off and things spiral and it's a bad situation mm -hmm. um but like doing that somewhere maybe like that's not europe doing that somewhere like in in you know mexico or in chile or colombia where like because you have your passport and your usd that's like a much bigger situation for the local people there that have to like deal with you is just not good you know so we have to be cognizant of that for sure i think mm -hmm. so i think more reflection on this experience is interesting because of course as we travel more and as we travel to different places like we've been to morocco but like other than that like we haven't even touched africa we haven't touched asia um you know i think it's it's interesting how our perception like will continue to like grow and develop and change as we do like even before we were filming this we were talking about tyla um the south african songstress who does not identify as black she identifies as being colored, um, which is a whole other, I don't know, hot seat topic for another day. But even the way that like literally race is just perceived in other places or even like the Cory people, the indigenous people of Australia who identify as black. But some of us may look at them and be like, mm, but are you like, I don't know. I think it's just neat. And I'm personally, I'm, I'm excited to see what new revelations pop up and how things change but i'm also excited to see how our kids yeah center their experience of race having been to so many places and around so many different like people and shades of people colors of people. yeah and they're still so young that our son xavier is just now starting to call people black or not black he said that kid in his class is black yeah you know, the kid who... He said know. that white man the other day. And I'm like, who oh, are you talking... Yes, I was like, who are you talking about? And he was like, the white man. And I'm like, which... 
my god. Like, but, which one? <laughs> yeah, up until now, they haven't really identified, you know, kids are kids, and they're at the park, and they're just happy to play with other kids. Mm. Um, you know, we do plan to send our kids to school in these other countries. We plan to, of course, make uh, cohorts of connections with other expats, with other families. Um, but I think that my takeaway is, of course, that, or my... What I would like is to obviously instill our kids with that sense of blackness and being proud to be black. Mm -hmm. um, and for them to have that dialogue with us to, to tell us when they feel like they're not being treated fairly. Yeah. You know, I want them to be able to come to us with whatever it is. Obviously, we don't want to pull them out of America to have an even worse experience somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But we are all learning and all navigating how to be black abroad. Really? Yeah, yeah, which is interesting. You gotta, uh, you gotta go to Africa as you're talking. Honestly, it's like I'm just like let's just send them to school in like Senegal. Yeah, that solves everything. That solves everything. All right, <laughs> done and dusted, folks. The orange narcissists are headed to the African Y'all want to come with us? We're going. Yes. As soon as this check hits, <laughs> <laughs> we're going soon. Man. No, I think. um yeah, as far as like reflections and ruminations about blackness abroad, I think the most important thing for me is to like the place that I start with, I'm rooted in the African diaspora. Everything about me that makes me me is rooted in the African diaspora. So regardless of like where we go and these roots do run deep. So whether that's the Americas or through Europe or anywhere else, um that's the vantage point that i have is like understanding that my blackness looks different to different people or it may cause me to be treated differently in different places um is all fine and dandy but ultimately it's like you have to know yourself you do know yourself <laughs> i say it like a canadian know yourself i'm so excited to see nana that's what i was just thinking about but anyway can we uh Okay, um, if you are black, feel free to drop any thoughts that you have about being black and abroad, um, how traveling has informed your sense of blackness, um, and or, I don't know, if you share any of the same observations that we do, or if you disagree, that's cool too. We can have a conversation. So drop your comments and we will see y'all next time.